What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 20 of the Everyday Sands podcast and another live stream edition of it. In fact, I'm Jack Richardson, joined by Brennan Parks. Brennan, free agency is less than, I don't know, 6, 12 hours. I like to think it starts at noon or whatever it is, but uh, it, it people are talking. Like Free agent signings are going to start rolling in, I think, in midnight. I remember last year, Claude Giroux was, was kind of announced and confirmed to Ottawa even before uh, the period opened. It took five minutes for it to become official. So uh, how you doing on this this Friday, June 30th? We are finally in the offseason. The draft is behind us. How you doing? Doing very well. Yeah, it's exciting because uh, like free agency was kind of considered a terrible class this year. And then today there was a ton of buyouts and people that weren't qualified. And suddenly like the whole top 30 free agents is totally revamped. Like there's all sorts of new players. There's some like, if you notice behind me here on YouTube, uh, I've got my Matt Duchesne jersey hung up from a few years back. Um, you know, I, I'm a Duchesne guy. I like Duchesne. So he's one of the guys that got bought out today. We're going to dive into that. Uh, I know we've got some other things. There was something just kind of rumored to right before we started. That seems to be a trend. Every time we live stream, some some sort of news comes out 10 minutes before we start. So, yeah, if you want to just start with that, we can we can quickly talk about that and then get into it. Sure. We were going to talk about uh, uh, the draft and we will in a, in a second here, just our thoughts and, and obviously not a, a huge day or a couple of days for the Ottawa Senators, but um recently chris johnson uh reported and tweeted out that the sens and eric branstrom have been closer getting close on uh, or gaining traction on a, on a contract extension and and to me like you know branstrom's not a huge name out there this isn't groundbreaking news for the whole league so if a tweet like that's coming out it's pretty imminent that they're going to sign a deal maybe tomorrow because he'll officially be an rfa as of uh tonight so let's talk about it. we haven't we haven't actually dove into what pinto and what brandstrom could get so what do you think a realistic deal is i know you're on the the team term we'll call it so you, you want to see some term for eric brandstrom yeah i mean i love the idea of three years and then he, he would be an rfa at the end of that still so you'd have team control um i don't think they're actually going to do three years it's just kind of my hypothetical because i'm a big brandstrom supporter i would guess it'll probably be like i think in our mock off season i had him at two years 1.5 a year that's probably what my my vicinity is going to be in that range I'd be surprised if he got more than 1.8 a year. Uh, I think he's coming off of a great season. Like he did really well and he really improved, but it was also the first season in which he earned a full-time role, right? So it's hard to be like commanding $2.5 million if you're Branstrom right now when you're, you know, on the bottom pairing. And I don't think he will. I think he'd be fine with just, like my big thing with the term was job security. I almost think you could get him on term for a little bit less money just because you'll take him into his prime. He'll know he's got job security, especially under DJ Smith where it's been pretty, you know, up and down with the scratches and stuff. I feel like if you could get him at three by like 1.5 to 1.8, that would be ideal because then you you know you've got a guy and if at worst you trade him, like I'm sure he's going to have value uh, if you want Clevin to come in or whatever it might be. But yeah, I'm a big Brandstrom guy and I think that I know he's small and I know he gets pushed around a bit and he's not your ideal playoff guy on the bottom pairing. But I do think he's like a very ideal modern defenseman where he's just, he's got all of the attributes with the puck, right? And he, he was get, getting hit less last year too. Like he started to kind of be more elusive in the corners. Yeah, I'm I'm team Branstrom. I, lo I love Branstrom in that spot. I think he's perfect if a guy like Chicken or Shabbat go down now and, you know, you have to fill that void. I think he's a perfect defenseman for that. Um, the thing with Branstrom, too, though, is this decor is elite because he's a fifth defenseman, because I think it's fair to say he's not. He's got top four potential. He might even be a top four on a lot of NHL teams right now, just in a second pair role. Um, so what makes the Sens decor so enticing now is assuming they get this locked up and it's a good deal. It's that you have him on your fifth pair, which means you don't have to shelter that fit that, or sorry, um, in that fifth role on the third pair, it means you don't have to shelter them. You don't have to 
rely so heavily on your top four defensemen running Shabbat into the ground, which you know has been an issue for a long time here in Ottawa. Um, you don't have to worry about that. And you can have Eric Brandstrom playing in that role. And I think, I think it'll be, uh, it, it'll pay big dividends for them in the long run when they're all healthy. Cause we barely saw the entire decor healthy this year or last year after the uh, trade deadline and chicken came in. So um, yeah, I'm all over it. I think three years would be great. Uh, I think if I'm Brandstrom and his agent, I cap it at two. I know job security and everything, but uh, I, I believe he, he obviously played in an, in the NHL all season this year. Uh, and I think he was mostly in the NHL the season before, but you're right. It was a lot of up and down, a lot of un- uncertainty with DJ Smith in terms of scratching and all that, but he's really a great story. I think in terms of the development and I'm really excited to see him this year, regardless of what the contract is, it'll be exciting to see how he grows. Well, and the thing about Brandstrom that people don't realize necessarily is that he's not bad defensively. Like I think that was kind of always his, his issue developing. And even when he got drafted, he was kind of like a Carlson with the offensive skill set. And he went to the world juniors and he scored the beautiful goals and the highlight reel stuff for Sweden, but his defensive game was lacking. And that's just natural for an undersized guy that, that, you know, relies on speed. Um, but this year he was very good defensively. Like, he, no, he, he didn't box out in front of the net super efficiently. Like he doesn't have all the strength in the world, but like you could go back even and look up on Twitter, like some of the clips I posted, he would go into the corner and he'd make just one little sidestep move just because he's such a good skater on his edges. And he would totally evade the four checker and then make a quick breakout pass or a stretch pass. Like he's so good with the passing. So he's not quite as, you know, the, the unicorn he was as a puck mover on Ottawa's defense. Now that they have Chikrin and Sanderson, like they have some good puck movers, but like the last couple of years, they've really lacked puck movers. Like the, the good Branson days, like they, they were really desperate for somebody who could, you know, make a simple breakout pass, like, or, or, you know, not turning the puck over and Branstrom manages it really well. So yeah, again, really hope that they get him for at least two years. It would kind of be unfortunate if he gets one year, because I bet he's going to price himself out of their, their range next summer. But I would say I would expect two years at around 1.5, which is a bargain for Ottawa. That gives them a lot of flexibility and the cap's going to jump when his deal is up. So is he long-term? I don't know, but like for the next couple of years, you see what you've got. He'll help you get to the playoffs. Another reason two years is perfect is because we've talked about this. Jacob Chikrin now has two years left on his deal. Uh, and, and, we're looking far down the line here. Obviously the next two seasons are very important in Ottawa in terms of their contention window and all that. But if in the event that, you know, you got to lock up Jake Sanderson to a long-term extension and Chikrin prices himself out of Ottawa, which is very realistic. And we can cross that bridge, whatever him Shabbat, like I know it'll be a discussion in a year or two years from now, two years from now, sorry. Um, But if one of them has to go salary cap wise, which again, I'm assuming will probably happen. Branster is perfect because you can have them on that term, give him a new contract, which probably won't equal 8 million or whatever Chikrin's going to command. Um, so I like it. I like it. It's, it's a internal depth option that we've talked about a lot. And he, he, I, I don't know. I, I think after the last season he had, I'd actually be really curious to see what number they give, they give him because, you know, I think he signed a, what, maybe it was a two year, a couple seasons ago, it was 900 K per, or was it just the one year deal? Last it was summer? one year, one year last summer. Okay. Yeah. So it, it was more of a one year. Let's see what you can do. And he proved he was, he was worth an NHL roster spot at least. So he definitely earned a raise at least by, um, you know, a couple hundred thousand. So I, I'd imagine it'll come in, in, in between 1.5 and, and two, just under maybe like maybe 1.95. I wouldn't be surprised at. Um, I'm curious to see how Pintos is reflected on that as well, though. Uh, but we will see. And this is a okay. Let's let's just get into uh, unqualified RFAs around the league because, like you mentioned earlier, 
the UFA crop just got a lot deeper and a lot more enticing for the Ottawa Senators starting tomorrow on July 1st. And of course, if people are listening to this on the audio or just watching on YouTube after, everything we say here could be very dated just based on when we're going live here. It's the night before free agency. Everything changes on a dime tomorrow. So keep that in mind if you're listening to us, but maybe it's fun. You can see what we speculated on and if we were close, if not, uh, how far off we were and how disappointed it is if they don't do anything. But Regardless, this is a massive, massive day for the Senators. I say it's Pierre Dorian's biggest test as GM so far. It is, yeah, and, and that's why I said, like, have a good night, Pierre, because, uh, like, get a good night's sleep because tomorrow's a huge day for you. It's hard because with Debrinket not being traded yet, like, and this is why I was kind of hoping he would be, um, the allocated, like, it's hard to allocate money, basically, is what's being said, too, and I know Gary X said this as well, is, like, they don't know what they're going to get back in a Debrinket trade right now, so... Are they going to get a goalie? Are they going to get a forward? Are they going to get a replacement? Like, I tend to think that they need to find a, a replacement for him on the second line tomorrow. Or, or I mean, maybe you trade for one, but relying on trading for someone is pretty risky at this point. Like, I mean, you could very quickly become a desperate team in late July to August, like needing to find a second line player. And that gets dangerous because now you're going to overpay in a trade, which they do not want to do considering they have very limited assets for the future already. Um yeah, free agency, I think, is important. I'd be pretty disappointed if they don't come out of, whether it's tomorrow or the next few days, with one of these bigger fish, like one of the bigger name guys. I know free agency is kind of a risky gamble in itself because you have to, a lot of the time, get into a bidding war and maybe pay someone who's not quite that that top level. You might have to overpay them a bit. Um, but at the same time, like I just think the Sens need to get somebody big here because I, I highly doubt they're going to get a second-line player back as part of the Debrinket return. I'm thinking that's going to be maybe a prospect and maybe a young player, but not somebody who's going to produce like 50, 60 points, I don't think. Uh, so I think, yeah, if, if Pierre is sleeping at the wheel here, and I mean, there's been a lot of moves already where I feel like Ottawa could have been in on them. Um, obviously, Toffoli was a pretty prominent one where they they traded, I think it was Sharon Govich in the third forum, which Ottawa probably could have matched quite easily. Um, but, you know, that is what it is. Tomorrow, we're focusing on that. Like, that is Pierre's time to shine. And, and free agency's never been a huge thing except for Giroux last year for him. Um, but yeah, tomorrow, like we got to kick it up here because I think they have to come away with a second line player uh, or somebody who can produce pretty solid numbers into Brinkett's absence. Yeah, and it all comes down to numbers, right? I mean, everyone's going to price if if people are valuing other markets over Ottawa, which they probably are. A lot of free agents do. It's not a surprise or a shock as a sense fan. Uh, you you know, you need to almost offer them more money. You need to offer a Tyler Bertuzzi, for example, who I would love. I think he'd fit perfectly for what the Sens need. It's just luring the probably the top free agent in terms of forward wingers i would say he's the best one on the market um luring that guy to ottawa you you're probably gonna have to offer more money than anyone else's uh or term or whatever it is and and we we talked about this like the the free agent market especially this year isn't super strong in terms of top end talent i think bertuzzi is is the only guy who is a uh no doubt top six forward alex galorn probably too but Again, those are guys you're hoping can maybe slide into a third line role if need be. Like you want, you you ideally would like to get two of them, right? And not just one big fish. Um, but like we mentioned, the unqualified RFA pool and the buyout pool changed things today. And I think it changed a lot. Um, names like I'm just throwing out some names here: Daniel Sprong from Seattle, Morgan Geeky from Seattle, Matt Duchesne was bought out from the Nashville Predators in a pretty surprising move because I think let's talk about Duchesne. He's got the jersey or you got the jersey up uh, behind you there. Obviously a former Ottawa senator, very public and polarizing uh, tenure here in Ottawa. He was good. I think it's fair to say he was a good player. It just 
all came crumbling down as soon as he got here. And I know, you know, I tweeted out, of course, today about maybe them inquiring about him. And um, the reaction a lot of people were saying is, is I don't want, you know, they're going to Sweden again. We don't need to run this back six years later. And I get that. I do. thing that's enticing about Duchesne is when a player of that caliber gets bought out and they're still getting paid a boatload of money for a long time now, which is good for him. I know it's probably not as much as he would have made, but it's still a ton of, you know, uh, it's a ton of, uh, um, excuse me, uh, more longevity in a contract. Let's say we'll call it that. Like he gets more guaranteed money at a longer rate. Like I think he's paid until 2027 or something like that now. So what I'm, what I'm saying is he might be more enticed to just go anywhere he wants for as little as he wants. Right. I think you see that with a lot of bought out players. They just go for basically a league minimum because they're already making a bag next season. So that's how I kind of see it. Duchesne's got his pick and I know that he likes it here. We know he liked it here. Uh, so that'd be interesting. I don't know. Like that, that'd be actually a great option. I think that you could, you could convince me he can be your second slash third line guy. If you get another guy who's a second slash third line guy. Duchesne too. Like I do think a lot of sense fans have this kind of these hard feelings towards him. I, I don't know. There's a weird kind of relationship there. And I know he's had some, maybe some culture issues in, on his different teams. Like it's all kind of speculation, but People don't realize that Duchesne in Ottawa, and this was on some bad Sens teams, like he put up 50 goals and 107 points through 118 games. Like he was a near point per game player, and he, I think he led them in goals each year that he was here. Um, and I think there were some hard feelings because he just wanted that. Like he wanted to get traded. If I remember correctly, I'm trying to go back. I think Dorian did offer him a long-term extension. I'm pretty sure he offered him. It might have even been eight years. And Duchesne, I think, even came out and said he... he liked it here like he openly liked it here he's not far from the area he grew up i think in halliburton which is a few hours um and, and he was a big kind of like he was a fan favorite he wore the a for ottawa i believe a lot of the time um but again like mark stone at his age which at the time was 28 i want to say like it was his window to compete right and uh, ironically he didn't really do much after leaving ottawa uh, on nashville and columbus but like he wanted to go try and win the stanley cup and ottawa was a few years out like look He's 32 now. If he stayed in Ottawa, it wouldn't have been much different than he would have, but he at least had the chance to go and, and compete somewhere else. Now, I, I think, too, he is 32. Over the last two years in Nashville, he has 65 goals, 142 points throughout 149 games. He's basically a point per game with good defensive numbers. Like, he's been a really good player on a not-so-great Nashville team. I, I think he's an, a top-six player for sure, personally, still. Now he is older. So, again, like, will he regress at some point? Maybe. Um, People might think he's soft, but I, I don't know. Like Duchesne's a guy who I feel like can come in and, and again, he's technically a center, but I, I still think centers can flip to the wing fairly uh, easily in a lot of cases. I think he'd be fine on the wing. Um, and, and yeah, he'd inject a lot of skill. Him with Norris would be very, very interesting on, on the second line with Batherson too. That could be a very high production line, like near point per game line. Little sense history here. Uh, Drake Batherson's first career NHL goal off of a faceoff that Matt Duchesne won. It's the Wings. Pretty well. I Against the that. Red Wings. There yeah. we go. A lot of connections there. Um, I like Zachy G's point here. Uh, I 100% would bring back Duchesne. I think he'd fit in well with the top nine. And this is the most important part. He doesn't have to be the guy. That's huge. Uh, he was the guy. He was the number one center in Ottawa. He was their coveted number one guy they were looking for. Shipped him over Kyle Turris. It was an upgrade. I think objectively it's an upgrade. Um, at the time it was anyway, ironically, both of them are now have now been bought out by the Nashville Predators, uh, all these years later, it's crazy how that all worked out, but yeah, I, I don't see a downside to this. I understand like the bad mojo, bad history, whatever, 
just in terms of how the team did. Um, the Uber video, I, can, I know people have talked about that, and maybe that speaks to his, uh, you know, it speaks to his, his culture, it, uh, impact. Like, maybe he's not great in the locker room. I don't know. We don't know that stuff. Pierre would know that thing. That's good. Uh, Brady Kachuk, Thomas Shabbat all played with him. They would know. So if if it's a bad thing, I'm sure they already talked about it. But if Duchesne's on the market and Dorian knows what he's like in the room, they won't touch it. They won't kick rocks. And I think I'm it's sure the Uber be. video. The Uber video still is sour in a lot of people's oh, minds. Oh, for sure. But I mean, Thomas Shabbat was in there too. But I think Duchesne was a big ringleader of that. Like he was he was very talkative in that video. We'll put it like that. Um, but anyway, it's it's. I think this is perfect. If if they can make it work and it's a cheap, I'm assuming it would be cheap. I don't think he'll be commanding three, four. And I'm again, I'm also speculating, but what, what I was saying about how he's got all this guaranteed money now coming in because he was bought out. It's not that he's getting as much as he would have, but he had three years left on his deal. And I believe now he's getting paid for six more years. That's how buyouts work for these players. So it's not the end of the world when they get bought out, obviously, especially in his case, because you still get a boatload of money for a longer term than you would have had. You basically double your in or not double your income, but double the term of your contract uh, for, for for nothing for free essentially right and he can sign wherever he wants um so here what would it take to sign duchene he would be the best fit to replace to i hard to argue with that honestly he's a goal scorer he's a goal scorer right and there aren't many like we mentioned many goal scorers on the ufa market uh now there are he scored 40 last season and i don't know if he would be suited on the wing that's a problem i think too maybe maybe he's just more of a centerman i admittedly i've not watched him a ton of a ton this season i or last you know, since he went to Nashville, I haven't watched him a lot. Um, it's just that he would be he would be cheap. Like he's a guy you could even get if Debrinket stays. That's what's exciting about it, right? If Debrinket's on a seven point whatever, you can fit Duchesne in at league minimum, assuming that's what he takes, just based on buyout history. Like I'm not saying like, if Duchesne has a three three year three million dollar contract on the table, he'll probably take it. But history suggests that when these big contracts are bought out, the players opt for situation over money based on they're already getting a paycheck uh, for, for, I mean, look at um, uh, Bobby Ryan in Detroit again, right? He had a couple, he's still getting paid by the Sens next season. He had a 900 K deal in Detroit, I think for one season. And just because he could go for cheap and they were a rebuilding team, they could have paid him anything. Uh, and he still went for, for pennies on the dollar. So I think that's a blueprint for what Duchesne might bring. And it's, it's, it's a target regardless. I, I would be shocked if Dorian's not kicking tires on him. For sure. And AFP analytics with the spreadsheet there, they projected a three year, $3.8 million AAV for Duchesne. I think it'll probably be somewhere in the, I don't know, in the three to 4 million range, just because he still does bring you value as a, you know, like he scored 43 goals last year, which I'm not even gonna lie. I didn't know that until I just looked after you said that that's outrageous. Like I don't even, a lot of people are shocked that they bought him out because he's still a very good player. Like this is not the case where like sometimes you see a buyout and you automatically think, hey, this guy fell off a cliff, like he's awful, they just want to get rid of him. Most people disagree with Nashville's decision here. Like he was a very important player to their team and someone who can keep scoring. Like he's 32, so he'll regress at some point. But like, I mean, he's even posted good defensive numbers. I'm I'm all over this. I really hope that Dorian's kicking tires, like you said, and, and they know him. So if there is a culture problem, which I don't think there is because Dorian offered him eight years. Like there was a, a long-term extension on the table he was a leader. Like Duchesne was a guy who, in fairness, as much as we can talk about him moving around to a lot of teams, he was often the one that faced the media in Ottawa. Like he would come out and talk after a lot of the games during the rebuild and the hard times. He'd face a lot of the scrutiny. Um, and, and yeah, so I think he's someone who could come in and be a leader and be someone who like it's just the skill, right? There's not I don't think there's a more skilled, raw skilled player on the market right now. Like Bertuzzi, 
is a great fit because of his gritty play style. But Duchesne is kind of a he's like a, a sub to Brinkett, like a little bit bigger, not quite as, you know, but he, he's got that same level of skill where he can be like, I don't even know how to describe it. He can play really well with the Josh Norris is what I'm trying to say um, better than I think anybody on the market. Uh, do you have like, do you want to dive into kind of the list too of players of free agents? Cause we've got sure. kind of a little list here. So, okay. I've got my Debrinket replacement level forwards, which are not obviously on the level of Debrinket. He's kind of the best player on the market right now, but these are guys who could step into that second line role, I think, and, and produce fine and kind of serve that role. So you've got Alex Kalorn, Max Domi is one we can talk about. Cause I think I, I I'm pretty intrigued by Max Domi. We're a little young for the Ty Domi days too. So I don't have that, that automatic family hatred like a lot of sense fans. But then Tyler Bertuzzi, JT Comfer, uh, Blake Wheeler was bought out today as well. I know a lot of people don't like the idea of him at 36, but I think he still put up like 60 points this year in Winnipeg, and, and he's a pretty interesting player. Duchesne, Michael Bunting, not a big fan of the likely contract he's going to get, but he could be a fit. Uh, Jason Zucker, Thomas Tatar, who Tatar has ridiculously good metrics and scored 50 points on New Jersey. Um, second line guy. So those are kind of some of the bigger names that you could see Ottawa might be able to get. Uh, some of the the Zucker and Tatars for like three or four million, maybe or less. But uh, I think like Domi's probably going to get a big contract. I think Bertuzzi's going to get a big contract. Kalorn's going to get a big contract. So it's going to be tough to to outbid people, especially with that Ottawa tax that we always talk about. Um, but yeah, well, what do you think of some potential Debrinket replacements and some of the bigger fish tomorrow? I, I like all those names. That's the thing. Like they're all enticing. The thing is, again, I'll go back to it. They need to be like together. I don't think one of them does it. I don't think one person does it because we talked about this all the time, but if you move to Brinkett, then that that creates two holes, right? Because they need a third-line player right now. And if you trade to Brinkett, you also need a second-line guy. So you essentially need two players who can play on the third and second lines on the wing. That's that's the Sens need up front right now. Yeah, depth needs to happen. They need to sign fourth-line guys. But I, I, I believe that the, with the depth that they've had, we've also talked about this, the um, entry-level deals. Like I think that fourth line will sort itself out. And that's also stuff, you know, you can get a Derek Broussard on a PTO kind of thing towards the end of the year. You don't address the fourth line on day one of free agency, I don't think, unless it's Corey Perry, um, which was a bit of a tough pill to swallow. But hey, I mean, I don't blame the guy for cashing in at $4 million this season. The Sens were not going to pay him that. Let's all be be honest with ourselves here. I know when we, when I saw that trade, I was a little upset just thinking, but but that you don't, I know there are people who are saying, you know, Chicago won't, he won't sign in Chicago, all this, blah, blah, blah. Um, when when a trade like that happens, it's because agents and general managers of the team that makes the trade is confident that they will get the deal done anyway. So um, that was pretty, the writing was on the wall there. So good for Corey Perry, but he would have been a great fit. Like there's a lot of players who I think would, would just fit well if there's multiple of them. And that's where, again, it gets hard, just the Ottawa tax, like you said. Um, but I will say this, I think Ottawa around the league and having Brady Kachuk in the fold having a player like Tim Stosla, having Giroux signing here last year, it creates a good buzz. It definitely does. Like they, players don't not notice this kind of stuff. And it depends. I know a lot of players are going to be looking at money and that's why I'm pointing at Duchesne because I think honestly his contract situation will point to him not needing to chase the biggest contract, right? A lot of these players, this is their big, big deal. They need to cash in. This is the going to be the biggest contract they sign in their careers, the biggest payday of their career like a Bertuzzi, a Kalorn, those guys have to cash in in this, like, tomorrow. So I would be more inclined to go with a Duchesne, a Max Domi, who will probably be looking for a shorter term, maybe. Or maybe you throw four years at Domi, you get the AAV down. I don't know. And again, you got to be careful with term, just based on the the core and the window and stuff. But I think the Sens are now at a point where throwing term at players 
getting the and getting the AAV down is is more important than worrying about three four years down the line. Like they need to be able to have a competitive roster under the cap next season, which is is going to be tough to do. And I see Tarasenko uh, there from Benny in the chat. Uh, Tarasenko is also an option. I don't know how much he'll get. Probably not. Probably not. Big market guy. But this is here's another thing we got to think about when. Bertuzzi signs somewhere, it'll change the market. Like we were talking about the Dubois trade for the Debrinket trade. When the top dog signs somewhere, it changes the landscape for all the other guys. They're like, okay, now I can get this. I can blah, blah, blah. Um, so I think guys like, you know, Tarasenko, Patrick Kane, I don't think the Sens are going to go after them, uh, but they're, they're interesting pieces to watch. If Patrick Kane, for some reason, gets signed to a $6 million deal for, per year somewhere, all the other free agents are going to look around and be like, hey, hey, hang on, I'm in my prime had better production than this guy last year, pay up. It'll change everything. And obviously, those conversations are probably happening right now, to be honest. Uh, not not waiting until the deadline. Like, I think they're happening right now. For sure. And we actually have a little bit of news here. Um, not news, but Bruce Garriock, who obviously is, is one of Ottawa's insiders, per se, says, um, and this is disappointing, don't expect Ottawa to be among the clubs making pitchers for Tyler Bertuzzi. It's doubtful he'd want to play for a Canadian-based franchise. Um, because of the whole COVID thing and him being unvaccinated, which has been largely speculated that he wouldn't want to potentially come here after what happened. I think Bruce is more speculating there. It's not really news, but at the same time, I mean, he might have some a little something on the inside on that as well. So um, the Bertuzzi kind of feels like a long shot to me regardless. The whole Canada vaccine thing is screwing things up for, for his potential to come here. But again, he's from Canada, so it's a very weird situation. He's literally from Windsor. I assumed he was American, but he's no, he's actually Canadian. He played his junior in, in Canada, so it's weird. But regardless, um, talking about that, so so you think they need to sign two of those first names I listed would be ideal? They don't need to, but, but like, if they can address it in a trade with the Brinket, then they, I think there, there's, a, there's all of a sudden two holes if it's just futures. That's why I wasn't on the futures train. You have two holes now to fill, and I, see, ideally you can do it for free agency. I'm just hoping that one of the the quote unquote futures they get in the Debrinket deal is a young player who can play now. Like I brought up Tomasino or, or Jonathan Bergeron. Like those are guys who can step in and play a role. I know they're young, but like they're cheap, like they're entry level guys who then you can kind of address other aspects too. Cause if you get one of them, instead of signing like a $3 million guy in that spot, you could then go get a goalie too, for example. But yeah, I mean, I've got some, some middle six and depth options here too, that I've got a list. I've, I've separated all the free agents. So, um, for middle six or depth, like guys who could play on the second line if you needed them to, or maybe but ideally on the third line, like Daniel Sprong, who just had a 41-point season, I want to say, broke out. He's probably going to get a decent contract, though. Yamamoto just got bought out by Detroit after being acquired there. He's a guy with potential. Five foot eight though, so Otto will probably scratch him off immediately. Uh, Evan Rodriguez, Connor Sheary, uh, Nick Bugstad, Miles Wood, Teddy Bluger, Morgan Geeky, Ryan Donato, and Jesse Pugliarvi, who Otto has been linked to in the past. So, those aren't guys who I you you get excited about necessarily, but like they're guys who could come in on a relatively cheap deal and potentially serve a third line role and be you know an upgrade on what Ottawa's got. Go ahead. I, sorry, I changed my mind. Two of those guys, and okay. I'm I'm good. If if the brinket's gone, because remember when we were talking about uh, spreading out the wealth and not loading up the top six. Yeah, there isn't an option in this free agent pool other than Bertuzzi, who we now are pretty aware is not coming here. That is going to make this a legit top six again, like it was last year when healthy. So, but we talked about like Vegas and all these teams in the playoffs, they spread out their wealth in the top nine for sure. Maybe even the, the whole forward core, but mostly in the top nine. So getting a pull Yarvi, getting a Connor Sherry to go second and third line, you can then like 
jumble everything up, put it in a blender if you need to. And I know DJ Smith loves to do that, but you have options. You don't have to say this is a third line. I know they tried it this year. They had to bring it with Gambrell and all that. And that didn't work, but I know. And it didn't work, but it was, they, they know that that's a formula that they can use to win, especially on the road. You need three lines that can withstand a top line. And you're not afraid to put any of those three lines out against the top line of the other team on the road. So any of those two guys, again, like I'd, I'd be, I'd be pretty happy with, with uh, any of those guys you listed. Well, and people say that Ottawa was really easy to play against last year. And I do agree to an extent, like I think they need to add some grit, but I think they were easier to play against because they're rolling out a friggin' line of Gambrell, Patrick Brown, and, and Austin Watson. Like, of course they're going to be easy to play against. These guys are all, like hardly NHLers in a in an idealistic world. Like I'm sorry, I like these guys as people, obviously, but they're not. They weren't good enough on the ice. Like it was so easy to match up against them and hem them in their own zone. And and yes, I do agree. They should go out and sign somebody who's physical and and big. We all love that. But uh, I, I certainly am more on the like exciting skill train than I am on the sign Ryan Reeves train. I just wanted I was, to hit. I was just yeah, gonna go mention. Ahead. I was just gonna mention Reeves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's fine. I, Toronto's apparently linked to him too. Like. Okay, I like guys like that. I like the Austin Watsons and what they bring. But at the same time, I cannot watch a line get hemmed in their own zone every single shift again. I can't do it. I'm sorry. DJ today spoke about how if people aren't playing up to standards, they're going to be out. Like they're going to, someone's going to take their spot. I'm holding him to that because that Watson line last year, they got hemmed in a lot. Like it felt like when they were on the ice, the other team, their whole plan was just, okay, we're going to get our guys out and we're going to out, we're going to like not out coach, but we're going to kind of get this matchup and then just, take it them to town and that's what they did um i'm just trying to see okay so we have a uh, from robert mudolo um greg pinto joseph brookshank castellic sokolov as the bottom six so and he says this is pretty solid which it is i would actually be like excited about that because you've got so much youth the problem is the youth though right is that it's largely unproven like you have to rely on these guys breaking out and taking another step and although I do think that everybody on that list right there could be a future NHLer, I think that having, you know, just the fourth line of being so young and inexperienced, it's tough. Because again, you're going to get into those situations where they get outmatched and, and the opposition's trying to create these uh, ideal matchups, right? So it's hard. Like, I'd rather just sign a veteran guy, not an Austin Watson, but someone who can provide, you know, both like good on ice qualities and also be that leader, that veteran and that physical guy. Um, but I, mean, I think in a couple of years, you could be looking at something like this for sure. And if they did roll out the youth and opt to do that, which is an option, they could always just roll with the prospects. I expect them to use the money elsewhere, like go out and get one of the biggest fish on the market if you're going to do that, because like this, this should be a cap team moving forward. Yeah. Will you be disappointed if uh, let's say they trade to Brinkett and then they roll out this bottom six? Uh, because this is a realistic bottom six. I think if you keep to Brinkett for a year, just based on the salary cap, I know we, we've all. Uh, been through that, but would you be disappointed in this bottom six? If they traded to Brinkett, yes. Like, I, I mean, I went through when they kept a Brinkett, even at 7.65, which is what they could get him for one year uh, after arbitration. And I had a really hard time. I could not get them under the cap. Like, I couldn't. I squeezed the numbers as tight as I could squeeze them. And without trading Joseph to clear money, I couldn't do it. So you'd have to roll out everybody on entry level deals, but you'd have to Brinkett. If they traded to Brinkett, you've got a lot of cap space. Like, you have room to make things happen. Uh, and the bottom six is an absolute need. Okay, so uh, we have this from Bruce's article. I'm assuming that's what you were checking on for the Bertuzzi yep. thing. It was 18 minutes ago. Uh, Ryan Hindman, uh, he he kind of broke down the people that uh, Gary Og mentions the Sens may have varying interest in. And I'll just read them out, and we'll kind of pivot this into goaltending 
talk because a lot of them are goalies that are listed here. So uh, for free agents, he's got Jonas Corbisalo, which came out earlier today as well, that they're interested in him. Uh, Frederick Anderson, also on my uh, mock roster that we did the other day. Semyon Varlamov, who I think already signed, so uh, or is rumored to tomorrow with the Islanders, I believe, right? He's re-upping with the Islanders. Um, and then right uh, goalie Tristan Yari. So essentially, Bruce just listed all the big uh, free agent goalies. Uh, and then right wing Josh Bailey is the only other free agent he listed as forward. That, that I'm saying that Ryan has, has tweeted out here. I'm kind of taking him for his words. I haven't opened the article. And uh, for, for trades, though, he says John Gibson, Carter Hart, UC Saros, and center Scott Lawton. So a lot of moving parts again. Philly, Philly is a very, very enticing trade partner because they are in the best part of a rebuild if you're a team looking for pieces to compete. They've got a lot of juicy players that are uh, probably not going to fit the timeline of their rebuild based on how they're drafting. And that's exciting to me. So like a, I don't know, a Scott Lawton, Carter Hart kind of thing would be awesome. It would be a hefty price though. And I'd imagine that would be some kind of three-way deal with Debrinkit going elsewhere uh, and and not going to Philly, right? But I, what do you think about all those names? Because we, we should dive into goaltending. And I was what I was going to ask you after that bottom six thing was, do you value, if, if Debrinkit's gone, let's say, and let's say it's just for, I know it depends on the trade, but what do you value more? Do you value another goalie or shoring up the forward core if Debrinkit's gone? I think they can do both. Like, I don't even know which I'd value more. I just think they can do both because I've gone through on cap friendly and in my the free time that I have, I just can't help myself. I feel the need to test like every option on the market. Um, and, and they have like they can do both. I have the some goalies too. like Corpus Allo is the most polarizing for sure. A lot of sense fans are, are like rooted against him. Like they do not want him here. Uh, I tweeted out. I, I don't have it pulled up, but basically the last five years, Corpus Allo is 29 in the last five years. Like he was awful. Like other than that one playoff run he had where he made a name for himself. I think when they swept Toronto or whatever a few years ago. He was really good there. He had like negative 59 goal saved above or goal saved against. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, expected goal saved against whatever a GSAX, um, which is like terrible. Like zero is the baseline. He had negative 59 over the last five years. And I think he had like a 0.879 save percentage or something ridiculous like that. Uh, but then this year where when he got traded to the Kings, but also in Columbus, he put up really impressive numbers. I think he was save percentage was like 0.92 something or 917 or something and then he had like among the the best numbers uh of all goaltenders in the league so i know that we like we're taking a risk on corpus Allo, and i honestly kind of do think they're going to sign him just because they were linked to him when he got traded to la like they were pretty heavily involved there um and now again it's expected they're going to be linked it just depends what he wants i know on again afp analytics just because that's like the one contract thing we can actually kind of use to to judge and evaluate what what's going to happen um, they had like two years at 2.6 million a year. I love that deal. If they do that, that is so low risk. Like if you can get him on any sort of a low risk deal where if he sucks again, I mean, you've got Forsberg, you've got Sogard, get him out of here in two years. Like it's fine. That's no, no big deal. But if you have to sign him for like four years at 3 million, like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be spending 3 million for that long. It's too risky. Yeah. If they're going to play as a tandem, give them the same contract Forsberg has. Yeah. He's got two years left at 2.75, give Corpusala 2.6 at two years. That'd be perfect. Uh, I'm going to stick with the Frederick Anderson train just mm-hmm. because I know he would be more expensive, probably, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, he would be your starter. That's three years, too. Yeah. Okay. So that, that came out as well. I don't mind that. Like, again, it's goalies, it's voodoo. I don't care about three years from now because three years from now, it'll just be Anderson. Forsberg's off the books. Figure that out when it happens. Um, 
I, I want to kind of scroll to some of the comments here. Uh, Sends Buzz is, is is lighting us up here, but he said something I, I really uh, wanted to highlight. Freddie, Borzi, Sogi trio. Obviously, Sogar would probably be in the AHL, but let's say Fors. I, I'm I'm not I'm speculating again, but if Forsberg doesn't rebound properly or like we imagine, and that, depending on the how how that unfolds. Having the Danish connection with Frederick Anderson and Mad Solgard, that's enticing too. And maybe that's a, a reason for Frederick Anderson to want to come here. I don't know, but I'm sure he'll have no shortage of, uh, of suitors this offseason or tomorrow, essentially. But um, he'd be a guy I'd be, I'd be all over. I think he got run out of Toronto because he had poor playoff performances. He was pretty good in Carolina, didn't have a very healthy season last year. Uh, but he would be my my... If, if they sign him, that's their big fish. You get your starting goalie kind of thing, right? That's what I would be uh, excited about. Yeah, I know his projection was closer to $5 million. Um, I, I mean, I like him. I just hope he can stay healthy too, right? I think he's he's a bit older now, 34, I want to say, 33, something like that. Um, so the age is a little more concerning than a Corpus Allo. Like, There's a little more risk there if you're giving him term and significant money. But uh, when we talked about the the mock offseason, like he had a bit of a rough season last season, but before that, he was among the league's best goalies. Like he was really, really good. Uh, and I think I'd like I'd be happy to bet on him if they make a bid to him. I'd be very content with that. Uh, and in that case, like you're not just even having a tandem. I think Forsberg becomes the t- number two. Like I think Anderson's your one A type of guy uh, in that in that situation, which it would be nice. But um, I still it, it sucks that Debrinket hasn't been traded in my mind. I know that there's no rush, but like I want to know what we're getting back because there's only so many teams here that that are on his list, right? Like if we get a goalie, which we should tomorrow, I mean they should go out hard after a goalie. You're gonna have to still find that replacement for Debrinket, and so while Anderson might be your big fish, like who's gonna play on your second line next year? You still have to go out and get somebody, and that could be one of the guys I listed there of the the Daniel Sprongs, the Yamamoto's, right? Like that that type of player can play on the second line. Um, but I don't know. Either way, they have to go out and they have to kind of address several needs, which is why I said, like, I believe this is crunch time for the Sens. I don't think this is sit back and be content because their roster still has a lot of holes and a lot of important holes. Goalie is one thing. You can go hard after a goalie tomorrow, but that doesn't mean you can ignore your second line. Like, Debrinket's likely gone. You've got to find a replacement. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the other goalie options, too. We had Corpus Allo and Anderson. We have Antti Ranta, um, who has also been really good. Tristan Jari was linked, and that's an interesting one because he was rumored to be getting like four years, probably four-year offers, and kind of be like, he's a, he's been a 1A guy in Pittsburgh, but he hasn't been overly great. He's been kind of average, and he's going to get a pretty hefty deal. I would stay away from that personally, but I mean, you never know. I just, Matt Murray vibes, right, where he comes from Pittsburgh. Yeah, you want, <laughs> you want to talk about having trauma with a player's past and what the Sens have done in the past yeah. with Duchesne and Sweden and all that. I've got, I'm not touching a Pittsburgh Penguins goalie with a 10-foot pole. I, I don't want to uh, go anywhere near that. But again, I mean, he would still be a solid tandem with Forsberg. It depends on the number. If you can get him around Forsberg's contract, sure. Why not? Let's run that. Um, but like you said, he'll probably command more just based on teams being desperate for goalies and all that. And I mean, if Ilya Samsonov is rumored to get $5 million, I know that that's what the AFP or uh, analytics sheet has for him, the daily faceoff stuff. Um That'd be shocking if he gets five million Samsonov, even if he's an RFA, that'll set the market for so many other goalies like a Yari and a you know a guy who's been doing it for so long for so much longer will be like will say hey um, why am I not getting the same uh, kind of deal as a UFA especially so that'd be that'd be interesting like I, I I think Anderson Frederick Anderson is the only goalie free agent I would be comfortable giving starting money to if that makes sense even even based on his age. 
I agree. Yeah. And I don't even think they have to get a starter though, necessarily. I know we're on different boats there a little bit. I'm okay with the tandem. Um, I, I do think they should sign somebody, but I, I'm okay with the low risk signing. What do you think? This is an interesting one. What do you think of Mackenzie Blackwood? So this is weird because Blackwood was actually seen as someone who was going to be on the 2022 Canadian Olympic team as a goalie. Uh, if they brought NHL players back in when he was on his rise, he looked really good in New Jersey, like a future elite type guy. And then injuries kind of set him back and he, he got pushed out by Kira Schmid this year. Um, like, what do you what, do you know much about him or what do you think of him? Because he the Sharks acquired him for a sixth round pick and didn't qualify him. They couldn't get to a contract. If he becomes available, I mean, he'd be a very low risk, high reward type signing. And I mean, again, at worst, you've still got Sogard, who, you know, can play games if you need him to. Yeah, uh, it's tough because he was kind of the reason New Jersey needed new goaltenders, right? Like he was their goalie of the future in quotations there. Um, and it obviously didn't work out. They found other options and, and pivoted and succeeded very well without him. So that's a red flag, I think. But a goalie in general is is needed. And I'm I'm definitely I wouldn't say I'm on board with getting a starter in general. I still believe in Forsberg. Um, I think just on the market though, if if it's a million and a half, two million dollar difference between Frederick Anderson and Jonas Corbersalo, and they both want to come here. I'm going Frederick Anderson, I think. Like you just bet on what you kind of know. And I think you I mean you just pointed out the history. You can still run a tandem, even if regardless of the contract, DJ Smith and the coaching staff isn't going to look at, oh, you know what? We're paying Freddie five million a year. We gotta we gotta roll him more than Forsberg. No, it's gonna be a tandem because Forsberg's been a starter here for the last few seasons and he's been very good. Um, even though he struggled a little bit last year, like they're, they're going to tandem regardless. So it's more just about enticing them to come here. Like you can, I mean, it sounds unethical and, and bad, but if you're a period of Oregon, be like, Hey, Freddie, you're getting the net. If you come, you're, you're the starter. And then they go to camp and it's, it's a tandem thing. It's like you said, tandems, tandems are the, the formula in the regular season for sure. Um, I just like the idea of having that starter, but yeah, Blackwood, Blackwood would be a good tandem, uh, option, I think, uh, but again, there's so many options. Like, and and we still haven't even talked about Connor Hellebuck. Uh, John Gibson was listed there, and this is a great pivot. The teams that were listed that are still interested, or front runners, or new teams in the mix for Debrinket are interesting. I think two that we have not really talked about in Washington and Anaheim. Anaheim is shocking to me. They're trying to streamline their their rebuild a little bit. Clearly, they have a unreal prospect pool, probably the best in the NHL, including you know Leo Carlson now. It's kind of spearheading that, but they got Zellweger. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna try and pronounce his name, but the 67s defenseman who was taken 10th overall uh, a few years ago or whatever. He's a Russian defenseman. He's Min- very good as Min- well. No, I can't do it either. Min- Mintyuk or some, something around Min- Min- I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He's he's fantastic. Like they've got some absolutely absolute studs. Mason McTavish. I'm sure they're not gonna move him, but the big piece that that is has requested a trade out of Anaheim and wants to be moved is John Gibson. Uh, expensive goalie has a no trade clause American. So a lot of other factors there, but I would be enticed about that as well. If salary works out retention, all that, because he's been a proven starter, just playing on an absolute dumpster fire of a team. And I know his analytics haven't been good even then, but I, I mean, okay, Minty Yukov there from Joe. I appreciate that. Um, you know, pronunciations are, are, are tough. We, we struggle with them a lot. I, I still can't pronounce uh, Schmeckal or, or Matt and Paolo. We, we struggle with those when they came out. But um, yeah, like John Gibson, he's li- Bruce listed him as well. Uh, what, what would you think about that? Because he's a bit older now, I want to say a bit out of the, the prime, let's say, or maybe he's just entering it. But um, 
a, a starting goaltender, a starting goaltender, regardless of how good he's been. I'm just, that would be an, another interesting name to me. If, if the Ducks can maybe retain some, uh, some salary because they have no, no big deals in a trade for Dabrinkit. I think that'd be really enticing. Yeah. I think Gibson makes uh 6.4 million a year or something for the next several years um, before retention. He hasn't been great the last few years. Like his GSX has been in the negatives as well, but again, like he's faced among the the worst situations in the league. And I remember a long time ago, we were talking about this on Twitter um, and about Gibson. And a lot of people don't want him either because he struggled. But like Anaheim has been really bad and especially defensively. Like he's just been thrown to the wolves essentially here over the last few years. He is someone who if they retain, I'd be happy with. Bruce did note as well, though, that he'd rather play for an American city, um, American team. And and he's Bruce is just the Canadian whisperer now. I yeah, apparently just, no wants to play here. I think I'm not saying he's wrong. It's just I think funny, that's widely that's, known, though, on Gibson because yeah. he's an American guy. He has the no trade clause, the modified no trade clause. Like, I'm sure I feel like he'd probably not come to Ottawa. But at the same time, like he is someone who I would definitely kick tires on. Like, he, he that's a good goalie. I like him uh, with potential. It's the same with Carter Hart, right? Like, aside from the investigation, like you'd be a goalie who I'd definitely look into and see what his price tag would be out of Philly. I am a little nervous about Philly, though, in general now, just about the whole turning down first-round picks for Scott Lawton thing. I'm a little scared the Briere's got uh, got the little power power run going here because, you know, that's a pretty wild thing to do. Um, I actually have... Let me just share this real quick. Okay. Let's see here. So this was something that I tweeted a while ago, just a, a little projection of Ottawa's lineup based on what they've got right now. Um, of course, like I would pencil Ridley Gregg into this fold. And, and if you're not on YouTube, uh, it's just obviously Kachuk, Stutzler, Giroux, uh, question mark, Norris, Batherson, question mark, Pinto, question mark, uh, Joseph, Kastelik, question mark. Like that's the forward group. There are four blatant holes. I'd pencil Ridley Gregg in. But again, tomorrow is a big day for the Sens and free agency because they need to, to essentially solve every hole that you see right here. Like you, you might think Greg is ready. That's fine. You can pencil him in, but like you've still got huge holes, right? Like that. There's so much they have to do. Um, like I, I'm just praying at this point that Pierre Dorian does not have a quiet day because the draft came and went. Nothing happened. That's fine. But now we're at the point where like if he doesn't sign somebody tomorrow, I think Sens fans are going to start losing their minds a little bit. Like we need some action here uh, from Pierre Dorian. You're not going to like this then. Uh, from that article, Derek Lee tweeting based on Gary Ox latest it doesn't seem as though Ottawa will be shopping for anything substantial tomorrow a depth forward option perhaps re-upping Hamannick and a 1b goalie perhaps when Debrinkit is ultimately moved we'll know who's replacing him I don't think that's, that's taken verbatim from Gary Ox article but that seems to be the sense um uh, 1b goalie makes sense I think you can get that done tomorrow that would be I'd, I'd say that's a successful day uh but but like you said it's hard to know what you need to fill when to bring it still there and technically could still be there. Um, the, I'll, I'll say one thing I'm, I'm you know, looking forward to is that I, I think with this market and with all the new qualifying offers that, that did not get extended today from every team, I don't know. And I could be eating my words by the time people actually listen to this tomorrow. If, if you're not in here with, in the live with us, um, I think tomorrow could be a, a slower free agency day just based on how many, it's all just depth. It's all depth. There's no big fish. So aside from Bertuzzi, Kalorn, uh, you know, Orlov like on the on the D side, um, I don't really know what's what big names are going to get deals right away at 12 uh, because every team is going to be waiting to see how the landscape unfolds. So maybe that's a good thing for the Sens. Like maybe it's good that they kind of waited for the Debrinket thing. They can scope out who they can sign and maybe get a sense of what the market's like because, listen, how bad would it be? 
if they had traded him yesterday at the draft or two days ago at the draft and got futures or got young players who could possibly come in their lineup, but they're like, you know what, we're going to go to the, the, the market and try and fill the holes there. And then you get to the market and no one wants to come to Ottawa. That's a factor they got to consider. So that's why the timeline is a little strange. Um, so there's two sides of it. There's that side, but there's also the side of you're going to wait too long, not know what you need to do uh, and, and just not get trigger happy enough, essentially. And what let a player, you know, player slip out of your fingertips. Um, what's good though, is they can still sign new free agents without trading to bring it with the full intention of trading him, if that makes sense. So like if Alex Kaloran wants to come to Ottawa for some reason, and if Max Domi wants to come to Ottawa, you can sign both of them to reasonable cap numbers and then still have to bring it waiting and then trade him after. I know it's not ideal, but that can happen. He's not under contract, so he's not counting against the cap right now. There's time to make deals happen other than right now. That's why I was not never like, you know, you need to rush to the draft. I'm still shocked they needed to know an answer by then um, because it technically doesn't really matter. Like tomorrow's important. Testing the waters tomorrow is, is going to indicate what they need to do for next season. Yeah. I just, with the free agency thing and not being active, I don't really get that because, so how are we going to replace DeBrinket if we're not signing somebody in free agency? We're, we're just going to rely on a trade and hope that we can find like a Travis Konechny and, and we don't have but, to pay two first round picks. But this is my point. So it's, 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 if you test the waters with the, with the intention of probably moving him, you test the waters. And if people don't want to come, you know, you talk to agents, whatever, they're probably doing that right now. You talk to Kalorn's agent, you talk to, uh, Bertuzzi's agent, which is probably what we just, why Gary Ock knows that now he's not coming to Canada. Um, all these guys, you do that, you test the waters. If you don't like what you hear and you don't think you can get it done, you get a sense that it would take work or they're going to sign elsewhere. Um, then you keep to bring it. You just keep them. And I think that's why it's good they haven't made a trade because if they made a trade and then they test the waters and they can't get yeah, anything done, you're then you're screwed a little bit, right? The other good thing is that the most enticing goalie options to me, other than Frederick Anderson, are through trade. So, and they haven't been traded yet, you know. Again, Hellebuck is probably going to move the market if they don't, if the Jets move on from him. So that's kind of where I'm thinking. It's like, it's not a bad thing. And I've been on the, let's bring him back at one year. I know it's tight with a cap. It's hard to fit a goalie and all that. Um, but again, I'd rather have to bring it than scramble for pieces and free agency and overpay them to come to Ottawa because you need to fill those gaps. I think it's still, I, I, I am glad that they didn't make a snap decision at the draft. Um, I'm, actually, I'm actually really, I'm impressed with Pierre because of what he said, you know, being, I rolled my eyes a little bit when he said being transparent with the fans, like, okay, thanks. Um, but, but when he, when he said, we're not going to tra- make a trade for pennies on the dollar. I love that. Even though he's, it's very open that they're probably looking to move him. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not pressing panic, bu- panic button at all. Not, 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 not by any means. Yeah. So, so you're just okay with keeping the bracket for one year, which is, which is actually fair. That's a really good point about, um, about you, like if you panic and then you can't get somebody in free agency, now you're in a, in a, you know, between a rock and a hard place. Um, I would agree. Like, I think that that is, you know, you can keep to brink it. I do think it makes it hard to roll a super upgraded roster next year, just because like, it's so hard to figure the cap numbers out for depth, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, you can keep them. I mean, you could be a deadline trade potentially. I don't know that that would make a lot of sense for Ottawa if they're competing. Um, it's still like, if they do plan to trade him though, which the reason that I say the free agency, free agency thing is that I think like from what we've heard and from what's been reported, it seems like they don't plan to go to arbitration. Like they want to trade them. And I know like, like not just Bruce, but Ian said it too, where it's rare that, you know, they'll come in and actually go through arbitration and do this. It seems like both sides are just ready to move on at this point after everything that that's been reported. Um, I know that Matt Kachuk's trade last year was referenced a lot where they waited with him 
past free agency and then they traded them a couple weeks later and got a nice haul. Uh, I still feel like Debrinkit's going to be traded. This kind of my point. Like it still feels likely. I don't think that a one year deal is more likely than being traded at this point. And so it's just like if we let free agency go by, and I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate now. But if we let free agency go by and we don't sign somebody and everybody signs elsewhere, like if you end up moving Debrinkit, then you're going to have a hard time finding someone who can actually replace him and upgrading your roster. So it's just it's a risk they have to weigh, I guess, where ultimately you could just keep him, but then you're potentially missing out on the assets too you could get for him. Um, I don't know. It, it's it just seems like that's I, not going to happen. But no, yeah. I know what you mean, and I should have I should have said I, I completely believe that they have the full intention of trading him, and also the full intention of actually going after players in free agency. Uh, it's just you can't you can't bank on it, especially being in Ottawa. You can't bank on signing two three guys like I mentioned. But in the short term, I know it seems it sounds kind of weird because Debrinket has so much leverage in the long term where he's signing and all that and where he gets traded to. Uh, in terms of signing an extension to make the better the offer better um but in the short term in the next three months whatever it is month month and a half uh, i think the the senators and dorian have more leverage than debrinket does because yeah the sens don't want to go to ar- arbitration but at the end of the day debrinket doesn't really have the choice like he's gonna have to go if they want to keep him next year he'll be here next year so they have it's it's almost like a fallback it's like a safety net it's like okay you know what ideally we need to move him out and get assets because he's not going to stay here but if he doesn't and, and if we can't get anything done in free agency or can't find another trade partner that works, we're not going to rush it. That's the sense I got from Dorian at the draft and his interviews and stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm more confident in that than I was going into the draft. I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, that, that's actually a really good point. The whole fallback option thing. I guess it's it, Ottawa's not rushed here. It feels like they're rushed, but they're not rushed. Um I don't know. I want some excitement personally. I want something exciting to happen here. We've just been waiting for so long now. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, the thing is, I guess, is is and what you're saying is if there's not a good enough offer on the table, you're not going to force a trade. Like you're not going to take an underwhelming offer because you feel like you have to. When in reality, you could just keep them for the year. Like that, that's all it yeah. is, right? Like now, yeah. but if they sign Kalorn and Domi tomorrow, yeah. like it's a whirlwind and it's a perfect storm, essentially. Then I think other GMs are going to be like, look, you got to move this guy. We're not upping our offer. Like it'll be, they'll yeah. have a little less leverage in that sense. And that, that would be a tough pill to swallow, but it all depends on who they can offer and who they can get in the next, I don't know, two, three days. It won't, ha- it doesn't, it doesn't have to happen tomorrow. Um, that's what, that's the way I'm looking at it. Like, I, I don't think that it'll be a snap thing. Like, Oh, oh no, we got to trade to rank it now. We got to, you know, to, to get rid of the cap because they don't have to, he's not signed yet. He's not signed. And if they're working and, and Dorian actually said, we actually didn't even touch on this, but they haven't granted him actual permission to talk to any teams yet because they haven't gotten to that part of the deal. When they have a deal on the table that they like, then they'll talk extension and then you can up the offer after that. So um really curious to see how it plays out. I'm curious to see where all these players go tomorrow. Um, any last notes? We really we didn't actually touch on the draft. Um, some exciting players, but personally, I don't, I'm not a huge prospect guy. I don't know a ton about these guys. They seem like good kids. I like Hoyt Stanley. I think that was a good first pick. Seemed like a consensus pick at that time, which is kind of rare for the Ottawa Senators. The goalie who they picked, I, I can't remember his name, from Kazakhstan. I like how there's no film on him, really. Uh, a little bit of a Levy Marilainen vibe from that. Um, you have any notes about the the first round, I guess, that, that we watched in the Sens' second day there in the fourth round? Well, it was a very uneventful draft. There was not a lot of trades. Was there even any trades? Like it was, there no, was no trades on the, in the first round. I think for no. the first time in a long time. I don't yeah, know. That's, I think it was since 2007 or something. Um, yeah, and the first round was entertaining though, regardless of, of who was being picked and stuff. 
Uh, I thought the Mitchkov thing was pretty pretty interesting how Montreal passed on him and their fans are currently rioting about drafting Reinbacker, which is crazy because I actually liked him a lot uh, before the draft, but that is what it is. For Ottawa's picks, yeah, I'm going to be posting an article in the morning about them. I've been trying to get it up with the, the time that I've got here. Uh, I'm just kind of going through and studying each one a little bit as much as we know. I mean, three of them are seventh-round picks, so it is a bit of a long shot, and you can't be, you know, we don't know too much about them. We really won't. But again, development camp also is from July 2nd, so Sunday until the 6th. So if you want to go see that, if you live in Ottawa, that's going to be open to the public. Um, the times are all posted by Sense Communications on Twitter. Um, yeah, I like Toit Stanley. That was definitely my favorite pick. Uh, he's just like, he's this massive guy, 6'3", 205. And he's an excellent skater. Like you could look up clips of him right now, and he's just dynamic. Like he reminds me a lot of Max Gannett, actually, not just because they're gingers, but because like they have that same kind of skating ability and, and kind of dynamic, like like flashy play almost. Um, but Stanley's got the size. Like he's a big guy. Um, he said he shot up like four inches after being drafted to the WHL. He got drafted to the WHL by Everett, and he was only five foot six. So he figured he wasn't going to get any playing time. He went to the BCHL, which is a bit of a lesser league in BC. Um, and he just led it up. He led rookie defenseman scoring in that league this past year. So really impressive prospect was ranked more around 80th overall by most scouts and Ottawa got him at 108. So that's a guy that I'm definitely looking forward to uh, to following. And I think like he, he's one guy that could stand out right at dev camp this year. Like he, he's a guy that has a lot of um, he has a high ceiling. We can put it that way. And I think right D isn't necessarily a need for Ottawa if they can keep Chikrin long term. Um, but I mean, even he's a left shot. So like if, if something happens with Shabbat in the future, right? They've got guys in the pipeline now. So, yeah, they're, the right side's looking a lot better than it did. Um, and, yeah, Nikitin is the goalie. Vlad Nikitin, who you're going to have a hard time finding anything about him. Like, he's just a complete question mark. But so was Levi Marilainen, right? And now he's turned into this already. I trust Ottawa's scouts. So pretty cool that that's a Kazakhstanian, uh, the first one ever picked by Ottawa. That's a, a pretty neat little tidbit. And he's also actually going to the BCHL next year too, Nikitin. So, Somebody to follow. I like their picks. And again, I'm going to be posting an article in the morning with more analysis. I'm still reading up on them because, again, they are late round picks. Yeah. And obviously, we have a lot going on tomorrow, regardless if it's send stuff. It sounds like they might be quiet, but who knows? Maybe that's just uh, all, all noise. But um, it'll be a big day. It'll be a big day for free agency. I, I wonder if any big trades will go down. There's still some big names that are looking to be moved, need to be moved, all of that, uh, including Ottawa's Alex Debrinkit. So we will watch that situation closely. As free agency opens tomorrow at 12 p.m., expect moves probably before then, uh, before that actual deadline. But this is the first time in years that it's been a proper timeline, right? I think the draft is not usually this close to free agency, but it's the first time in three years. It's been on July 1st since 2019, so four years. Probably the first time in four years free agency has opened on the proper day, July 1st, Canada Day. So thank you to everyone who joined the live uh, today. And if you're listening on the audio, uh, tomorrow or whenever this is posted, maybe tonight, then we thank you and uh, we'll see you all next time and happy Canada Day to the Canadians who are watching.